right, so we're getting underway here. And I mean, Matt, we're going to do a bit of a change up, um, I think, to the formula here. I know we're only three episodes in, but you know what? Fuck it. Um, we, I mean, typically what, how we want to do this is what? Um, we bring somebody on, uh, we do a, conduct an interview, um, ask some questions, shoot the shit. But every once in a while, like there's something I think that is just so unbelievably exciting, or maybe, I don't know, sometime there might be something happening in pop culture, or maybe there'll be something that happens Bitcoin, crypto, or political wise that we just kind of jump on and just have a quick chat together, right? And you know what, one of those things I think is happening this week. So I don't know if you know this. Um, I mean, I don't consider myself a gamer really by any means. I mean, I never really played video games as a kid outside of like the obligatory Super Smash Brothers on N64 or playing Madden, I guess. And then, I mean, you and I, I think you remember this back in high school, like you and I actually really got into Guitar Hero for some time, yeah? Do I remember it? Dude, that was my yeah. identity for a few years. Yeah, probably sad to say. I think there was at one point, uh, God, whose birthday party was it? We went to Dave and Buster's, like that big adult arcade. And was that you that was just like breaking all the records on the Guitar Hero at the arcade? I don't know if I was breaking records, but uh, you know, I, uh, I could, uh, I could, I could tickle the old ivories, if you know what I mean. Uh, I don't know. I think like in a past life, I would have been, or I don't know, maybe not a past life, but in an alternate life, if there is a multiverse, there is a version of me that isn't just a closet karaoke performer, but is the front man on some big, big stage, something. He's, he's the front man of a band, right? Um, I don't know. Pat Halen. Yeah, there you go. Pat Van Halen. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I probably should have been a performer. But anyways, um, so I started to actually get a little bit into gaming a few years ago. And I'll tell you how. Now, my, um, my wife, she knows that I'm a huge Pokemon fan. Uh, I mean, I grew up, caught 151 Pokemon. Uh, you fast forward a couple of years, and now there's something like 1,000 Pokemon. And there was a new Pokemon game coming out a few years back. And I travel constantly for work. So my wife got together with uh, different members of our family. They all pitched in and they got me a Nintendo Switch uh, just so I could play that new Pokemon game on the Nintendo Switch. And you know what? Like I didn't realize how like crazy gaming had gotten, like the graphics and the quality of the games and whatever it is that you get on a Nintendo Switch, like even just carrying it on an airplane with you infinitely better than like the couple three pixel thing, like the three pixel Pikachu that I used to have when I was a little kid. It just absolutely blew me away. So you're probably not familiar with this, but one of the things that happened over the last couple of years in crypto is there ended up becoming this bit of a merger and it's kind of gone the wayside lately, but there ended up being this bit of a merger between gaming and crypto. There came this concept of pay to play or I think we called it play to earn in crypto, where basically they would create these little games. Um, the most famous one was called Axie Infinity, which was basically these little Pokemon monsters, which were NFTs. That company went on and sold about a billion dollars worth of these little NFT Pokemon monsters. And you would earn money in game, basically earning crypto, literally just by um, playing the game. So I said like, okay, fine, you know what? I'm going to get into gaming because if there is going to be this convergence of crypto and gaming, why the hell not? God help me. I, so I stupidly one day I was looking through the game catalog on Nintendo switch and I was like, okay, you know what? I let's just find something familiar. So there was the Pokemon I was playing. And then I saw there was this Zelda game and I was like, oh yeah, you know what? I remember Ocarina of time from when I was like 10, 11 years old. And God, I, I think I played that nonstop for about a week. Um, I remember my parents yelling at me, um, not being allowed to, or not being allowed to do anything because I was just constantly playing this uh, Orcarina of Time. So I was like, yeah, you know what? I'll try that Zelda game. Why the hell not? I can't tell you how blown away I was. It was Zelda Breath of the Wild. I think I started playing that maybe two years ago. And at that point, like the game had already been out for three or four years, I guess. Um, I can't believe how unbelievably radical gaming has changed and how like unbelievable that game was compared to like the Orc Arena time I played as a kid. Did you play it? Yeah, I still have it. I actually fired it up maybe a year ago 
because I never actually beat it because I was never an N64 guy growing up. I was always PlayStation, and then eventually I moved into Xbox when you know I hit like eighth grade. My parents got me Halo, and that was I mean, sort of like you grow out of Nintendo, right? Like you grow out of Mario. Like I remember, like I had an Xbox, or I shouldn't say I. My brother had an Xbox. And I played Madden every once in a while on that when I was a kid. But outside of that, I never played any other video games. But you just grow out of Nintendo, right? I mean, I still have my Super Nintendo plugged in over there. So I can't say I ever grew grew out of it. I'm always like, my parents, when I was growing up, always were trying to throw shit out. And uh, I'm not a big thrower-outer. Some would say I'm I'm a hoarder of certain things. I really refuse to sell or throw out my video games. The only ones I've really given away or sold are all the old sports games. Mm. Because I'm, gonna, I'm never going to go back and play like Madden 2005. I'm never going to go back and play Dave Mira Freestyle BMX. So I had that game. Or Jeremy, uh, what the hell is his name? Motocross 98. Like I have well, all those games. Uh, I, mean, I remember one that I actually played for a little bit. It was the Tony Hawk game. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Like Tony Hawk Pro Skater, and like out, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, and I don't know if it's because of that or because of the X Games. I don't know which made which popular, but I mean, you—it's it, like out of nowhere, all of a sudden, the X Games and this game uh, just became the biggest things that any kid could talk about back then. It was Tony Hawk. I'll tell you right now, it wasn't the X Games. The X Games became bigger because of Tony Hawk. That game was like a pretty pivotal game like game in general not just for skateboarding but for video games because brought sort of this like counterculture to to video games and made it made it cool to an extent i mean those games still play pretty well if you ever go back and play them but that that made me into like a skateboarder aka i bought a 300 hundred dollar birdhouse tony hawk skateboarder i went to fdr once and nearly broke my ankle um oh, you mean fdr in philly yeah you, you know they still have that skate park there yeah, man, it's 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 pretty like uh, it's like a monument now in in the city. But I went there one time. I was like so overwhelmed by how much be- I was like just standing and like skating around. There was like people my age. There was like grown men going on like the half pipe and everything like that. I was like, I, I I should not be here. So I so because the X Games got so big, you probably remember this. Like my brother and I, when we were kids, we used to race motorcycles. Um, so we really got into uh, motocross, which is, I mean, that's how I ended up. I screwed up my wrist. That's why my arm, basically, my left arm, just doesn't work at all. Um, but I mean, it's profound what type of impact gaming because if it truly was that Tony Hawk game that made the X Games big, I mean, thanks Tony Hawk. I can blame you for the reason why my left arm doesn't work. Right? It's it's um, his fault. You can blame him directly. It's entirely his fault. It had nothing to do with me trying to do something stupid on a motorcycle, right? Nah, I mean, you know, it's like the chicken and the egg. He uh, he got me into skateboarding. I um, was skating over my friend's house one day, and I was going down a pretty big hill. I hit a little tiny pebble. It's probably the size of a pea, and I fell off my skateboard and, like, rolled under a car that was driving and almost got run over. So that was – thank you, Tony. That was That was pretty shitty of you. <laughs> Well, anyways, I mean, I think it's it's just kind of a testament to how over the last, and I was just completely oblivious to this, but I mean, over the last 15 or 20 years, how important gaming, I guess, has become, right? And that's where, I mean, I'm kind of embarrassed to say this, um, but I mean, you know what, like part of this podcast, we want to talk about shit that makes us happy. I can't even tell you how many times I still turn on Zelda. Like if I'm flying on a plane or even if I'm just home alone, my wife's traveling or something in the evening, I will turn on that Zelda Breath of the Wild and I will just play for hours. It, that game is just unbelievably fantastic. There's nothing embarrassing about it, to be honest with you. I mean, I take some time out of my like day every now and then. Because I didn't no. play it. I, I feel like I should be. I didn't play games as a kid. Um, now who I get, Well, like, who well, cares? I'm a nerd. I didn't play hockey when I was a kid. I play hockey three times a week. Now I'm 34, you know? God, I played hockey every day as a kid, and I haven't played for the last five years. Our lives yeah. are Yeah, it's like – it. yeah, I was, a, I was a fat nerd. You were a hockey player. Now now you're a fat nerd, oh. and I'm <laughs> – Well, hey, I'm, I'm working on that with Oliver. I'm not going to be the fat nerd in my corner. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, I'm still a fat nerd. I'm just – you know, I also play sports now. But uh, <laughs> well, I, I'm the athletic jock that now plays video games. So I mean, I mean, as you're stealing, recording... you're stealing my culture. Oh, I'm culturally appropriating gaming. Yeah, I don't like jocks stealing my shit, dude. So <laughs> why don't you back off? Uh, I'll try my best. No, but anyways, um, 
I mean, what's really kind of exciting is, is as of this moment, we're only a few days away from the release of what will be the next Zelda installment, Tears of the Kingdom. Now, this is supposed, I mean, I only learned about this a year or so ago. I didn't even know they were making a sequel to this Zelda Breath of the Wild. And like, when I was playing Breath of the Wild, I did not realize how profound the impact of that game was. Like, apparently most people consider it, if not one of the potentially the very best games that has like ever been made. And I don't know if any of our viewers have ever played Breath of the Wild, or I don't know if they're even going to care about listening to this episode, but if you haven't yet, you must. It's just astounding. And apparently when that game released in 2017, it was like one of the first games on the Nintendo Switch. And now this sequel coming out six years later, it's basically using everything, all of the assets, all of the map and everything from Breath of the Wild, which was phenomenal. And they're basically just upping the ante. I mean, have you seen the trailer or any of the advertisements for this? Uh, yeah, no, I've been watching some of the stuff that's come out. I didn't ever get a chance to play Breath of the Wild. I played pretty much every other game, though, come, um, growing up on Super Nintendo N64. My brother let me borrow his uh, 3DS. You were playing 3DS. It was the old handheld game system. Yeah, he let yeah, me yeah. play. He let me play. God, I can't remember the name of it now. It's embarrassing. the The one game on there was was sick, um, and I finally beat that maybe like a year ago. Well, it took you twenty years, took you 20 years to beat the game. Yes, yeah. <laughs> and now, now I'm like, I'm trying to get, I'm not trying to get back in the game. I just am because I'm, my life is empty and meaningless, and I'm trying to find some fulfillment in my uh, characters killing their enemies. Uh, no, I like my life, but I think, um, I want to get back into it and switch is, is something I haven't really gotten back into. Um, but my brother has one and I'm hoping that he'll get it and I can just steal it from him. Um, but no, I watched the trailer. It looks, it looks amazing. I mean, I like the sort of way that they stylize the game, like the cell shading almost sort of reminiscent of some older games that I, I played growing up. Um, but it looks phenomenal. I mean, I've read a little bit about the gameplay and some of the changes. Um, I like the open world style of games that that you know have been coming out. Like I don't know if you, if you you haven't gotten back into gaming too much, but there's a game that I play, and I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but it's called Elden Elden Ring. You heard so of I've heard of that, but it's, so I mean, again, I literally just started to get into gaming. So like, I started with that Pokemon game a few years back, and like. First off, it just astounded me that there's Pokemon even running around in the wild, right? Like mm. now it's not just walking through the high grass and then you get the like whatever that, <laughs> uh, the noise was that popped up and you're like, damn it, now I have to go battle a Pokemon. Um, <laughs> they're just there sitting in the wild and you can just catch them if you want to or you can avoid them if you don't want to. So like that first astounded me. And then I started playing all these other games and I never did the Elden Ring because... I mean, I only picked up gaming because of traveling and I started to run out of stuff to download on Netflix or Disney Plus or whatever on my iPad. So the Nintendo Switch was perfect because I mean, I can't take a PlayStation with me on a plane, right? Um, so I never played the Elden Ring. The only thing I know about that is Elon Musk was tweeting about it and he thinks it's like the greatest video game ever or something, right? It's, it's uh, so it's incredible. First of all, like the open world design, the graphics are amazing. The gameplay, it's the hardest game I've ever played in my life. What's like, so hard about it? Dude, I, it, it like doesn't pull punches. It's like you're very, if you if you go up to like an enemy at you should, in a place you shouldn't be, you will get killed. Like it's, it's not like, that's my beef with some of the games that have been coming out in recent memories. I feel like they're too easy for the most part. Elden yeah. Ring has one difficulty setting, and it's like, fuck you. If you're not ready for this, you're going to die. Um, <laughs> but like, so is it um, – so it's kind of like – I mean, because that happened to me the first time I played Breath of the Wild. Because, like, you know, like, whenever you play video games when we were kids, there's, like, this natural progression to the game, right? Like, okay, you – and I'm just going to use Orca Arena of Time as the example. Like, you wake up, you're a little kid – uh, some giant talking tree tells you you're destined to save the world and then you go in the tree, you get a sword and I don't know, the enemies are simple and easy and you get a cute little slingshot and you can shoot little spiders, right? But then you fast forward and you're fighting gigantic dragons as an adult with a giant sledgehammer, more or less. Like, that's one of the things that screwed me in Breath of the Wild. I mean, I remember I um, when I started to play the game, like at first I was thinking... 
you know what, I don't know where to go. And then I started like going on the Google asking, well, what, what do I do once the tutorial for Breath of the Wild is over? And it basically said, just go anywhere. So I was like, okay, fine. So I went anywhere. At that point in the game, I think I had like a wooden stick and like a wooden shield. So like no meaningful <laughs> And I start running across this big open field. No idea where I am because the map doesn't even show you until like you go to the towers. So I started running to a tower. And all of a sudden, this music starts coming on. And I see this like machine looking thing. Uh, it ends up being a bad person or a bad thing called a guardian. And it starts lighting up blue and purple. So I run at it because, you know what, I'm going to beat this thing with a stick. Uh, very quickly realized that was a horrible decision because not only does the stick basically do zero damage to it, but that machine suits a giant laser. And I died within about 30 seconds. Um, really great start to my Zelda Breath of the Wild career. But I learned the hard way, don't do that. So I started the game over and went a different way. But like, that seems to be a new trend. Like you make the games, I guess it's like that open world thing. But the problem is, is whenever you're doing this open world, you end up running into situations you shouldn't, which I guess is- Right, well, that's a good life lesson, man. You know, like, you know, life isn't always linear. You don't start off with like a general power level, like, you know, escalation to get you to a certain point. I mean, I love the open world games for exactly that reason. Because there is the chance that, you know, maybe... Well, no. uh, you and I, straight white guys, I mean, we start out with a privilege now, don't we? Oh, well, yeah, well, I mean, there's different difficulty settings in life. I'm, I'm, probably, on an easy, I'm probably on an easy mode right now. Uh, feels like it's generally getting, generally getting harder and harder as the years go by. But, um, no, I like... Uh, the open world games, I think, are some of my favorite. And that is something that I grew up playing with. Like, I don't know if you got into like the final fantasy series. No, um, I know the name, but like I said, I never played games. Those were generally more open world as well. Not as much as say like an Elden ring or what it looks like, maybe breath of the wild or uh, tears of the kingdom will be. There's sort of like a set things you have to do in order, but you can generally roam free and go different places. Um, mm -hmm. And, and, you know, do side quests. And that's sort of the games that I love to play are where it's not, I'm not really, you know, it's not holding my hand necessarily. I will say Elden Ring sort of goes in the other direction where I have no fucking clue what I'm supposed to be doing right now whenever I play. I'm not, I'm not even, I, uh, well, I started playing it like a year to, a year ago. Mm -hmm. I got really into it. And then I, again, I had no idea what I was supposed to be doing. And I got really tired of just running around and dying all the time because literally everything will kill you in that game. Even like the easy guys, if you... So basically, they just created Australia in video game form. Yes, Everything pretty much. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. It's uh, like if if you mi misstep, because these games they're like it's from the Dark Souls series. If you they're very heavily combat based, where it's not just like mashing buttons and killing things. You actually have to use like skill and like a strategy when you fight anything. To a certain point, so mm -hmm. if you screw if you screw up, you're dead. Um, that's the type of stuff I think. There's merit to that, but at at certain point, like I want to know what I'm supposed to do, and I uh, I don't like reading strategy guides or like the websites because I feel like it's cheating. But I might have to actually do that. But I mean, I eventually found myself doing that a little bit with um, Breath of the Wild because, like, at one point, I kind of got tired of pretty much the same thing you went through. Like, I started climbing all the different hills and the mountains and while everything was just beautiful and like i figured out like okay you can get weapons from different monsters and you would go and you would fight them like it's very vague in giving you any direction and i mean I, it, as you progress through the game like you said you haven't played it correct i'm not pl i haven't played breath of the wild yet but i watched i like go on twitch a lot and watch a lot of gameplay gotcha. so that's actually interesting like i didn't know until recently like there's an entire industry of people watching each other play video oh yeah dude like it's fucking wild like, it is I, the first time that i heard about this was a south park episode a few years back where kyle was making fun of his little brother because his little brother wasn't playing a video game he was just watching youtubers playing a video game and that whole concept just absolutely baffled me. Like, why the hell? Like, it's a video game. Why shouldn't I just go play the video game? Why the hell would I ever watch somebody else just play the video game? I mean, it just baffles my mind that there's this entire industry. Like, if you're playing a video game, like, fine. You're actually playing the game. But, like, why the fuck do people watch other people play video games? So, I have a theory. And it's similar to 
I think sports, right? Like I, those who can't do want to see others, people do it essentially. Um, I've watched a, a little bit of gameplay for Zelda. I didn't really watch it to like watch the game. I just wanted to see what it looked like in, in preparation for this new one. Um, there's a couple other games that I watched gameplay just cause I was super interested in it and I wanted to see what it looked like before I bought it. Like most recently, I actually downloaded Twitch probably about a year and a half ago to watch gameplay for the new resident evil game, which is probably mm -hmm. my favorite game series of all time. Now, um, so I wanted to see what it looked like. I ended up watching pretty much half the game being played mm -hmm. through that just cause I wanted to games like now are like movies basically. So and that's one of the, yeah, that's a very good point. That's one of the things that blew my mind about Breath of the Wild. Like, even though I guess one of the criticisms for it from like real gamers is like, oh, there wasn't much story. And I get it because the story was told like a hundred years in the past and you were kind of just picking up pieces by collecting memories in the game. But I mean, the story was mind blowing, at least for me, because again, didn't play a video game, but I mean, they really are movies nowadays. I mean, it, it's pretty apparent with uh, The Last of Us just coming on HBO. That was a video game. And it's yeah. the, the show basically played out like the game. It's The game was written like a movie with gameplay in between all like the critical scenes. Um, so, I mean, that's becoming sort of the norm now, more than just sort of these outliers that you would have back in the day. Um, so that, I mean, that, that to me is sort of how I view people watching games is they want to be entertained by sort of the game itself and not necessarily watching somebody play it. They are kind of viewing it through the lens of mm. like a show almost for those types of games for things like, uh, I don't know if you're watched or heard of like league of legends or Dota. Those are sort of like these, these multiplayer like arena type games where you get four on four, four characters on each side, like racking up a kill count and like the team with the most kills at the end of like the set allotted amount of time wins. That's pretty popular now on um, on these streaming sites. Games like Fortnite. Uh, I played Fortnite. It's pretty fun. It's basically like an open world shooter. Yeah, so I've heard of Fortnite. Um, I mean, actually, you know what? I should say, I mean, after uh, my wife bought me the Switch and I started playing it. So it was that Christmas. I was spending it with my, um, uh, my sister, uh, her husband, and their kids. And they were telling me about all of the skins that they bought in this. Oh, Fortnite, yeah. Right now, the first thing I'm thinking is like, oh, dear God, this is like a, a 10 and 11 and a nine year old. Um, and they're playing a game about shooting people. I'm like, oh, God, I've really become a boomer, haven't I? It's the, same, <laughs> it's the same bullshit that my parents were yelling at me of as a kid at that age. But anyways, um, Rachel started telling me, uh, my sister, about how like the kids were spending hundreds of dollars on credit cards for Skins in the game, and I was like, "Okay, if you're doing that to buy in-game coins, right? Like this is this is one of the biggest things for crypto, right? Yeah. Like if each and every one of these games has their own unique currency internal to the game. Like I, the, the example I always like to use with this is World of Warcraft, right? Like you spend a hundred dollars to get in-game currency that becomes currency that you can trade and buy and sell within that RPG, right? Like." That is all crypto is really doing to a certain extent. Like they're creating applications like on top of Ethereum. The currency is smart contract based and regulatory and compliance issues aside. All you're doing is creating a currency for a local ecosystem, but allowing that currency not to be dictated and priced based on the goods and services in that ecosystem, but based on the demand for that currency from US dollar or whatever fiat currency for it. So that was one of my aha moments as to, okay, there is a huge overlap between crypto and gaming, which I actually didn't intend on talking about on this show. I was just going to come on and geek on about Zelda. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I, I guess it makes perfect sense. Like, It I mean, is pretty Fortnite. fascinating. I mean, Fortnite, yeah, Fortnite in, in particular, you're essentially, you get, that's where the money is in that game, right? There, there's this thing called like Fortnite crew where you can pay a monthly subscription to get just to get you access to unlockable skins so it's not even like you're getting them you have to still like play but it gives mm -hmm. you like the access to get to that and then there's the additional they release all these skins um like like regular cadence and it, they're all sorts of different shit like i had and you can get like the v bucks they call them through playing so i had like a, a like a V bucks like V is ah, like okay like the in-game currency yeah yeah so I I got cool skins like I got uh like John Cena he's on there 
Oh, really? Yeah, I got Spider-Man. I got Gambit from X-Men. Um, Moon Knight from the Marvel series. There's all these, like, different... They, they do cross-promotion with all these different things. Like, there's Dragon Ball Z. Uh, all sorts of stuff for people to spend money on. But it's so fascinating. All the famous intellectual property out there. They just create things for it in-game. Yeah, there's a Rick and Morty crossover. I had uh, Mr. Meeseeks. Yeah. Uh, so you just have an infinite amount of different Mr. Meeseeks, yeah? Yeah, pretty much, yeah. And uh, it's it's really interesting to me that that's so popular because it, all it is is aesthetics. Like, it doesn't help you play the game at all. Like, you know, you get these, these like, either person skins. You can buy, like, like uh, emotes. Like, you can do, like, different dances. There's, like, the mm -hmm. freaking... What should we call it? Gangnam style, all that type of shit, where you can just make your guy dance in the, after you're killing somebody just to like taunt them. And then there's like uh, like different weapons and stuff, but they don't do anything. They're basically just for aesthetic purposes. And it's it's funny you bring up like the in-game currencies because I sort of grew up playing this. Uh, I don't know if you heard of RuneScape. No, I played. Dude, RuneScape came out in like two, 1999. And they introduced this thing in, like, the mid-2000s called the Grand Exchange, mm -hmm. which is basically a giant, like, inner, like inner marketplace where you can buy pretty much any item in the game. And it created its own, like, economy in the game. And then people started, like, buying and selling gold in the game for real money and started buying and selling, like, real products for in-game stuff. It's, it, it, they, they try to discourage it. They say it's, like, illegal in the game. You'll get banned if you, or you're found to be doing it. But dude, read if you want interesting, like I guess early stages of crypto, the the RuneScape internet, like the Grand Exchange, is fascinating with all of that. Well, so I mean, like I remember a few years ago because naturally I played Pokemon Go. Like, okay, Pokemon Go has its own in-game currency. You exchange mm -hmm. U.S. dollars or whatever for the Poke Coins, I guess they call them, and then you progress throughout the game. But I mean, in parallel with that, there ended up becoming this like black market where you would get like, there's actually hilarious videos of this. There's like one uh, little Japanese guy, he's riding a bike and he has this wacky gizmo setup on his bike handles that literally has like 80 different iPhones, each with different <laughs> Pokemon accounts. Jesus I don't know. Christ. We, we gotta see if we can pull up the video, but he's got like, I don't know, maybe not 80, but like 30 or 40 different phones and they each have their own new Pokemon device. And the guy would like be on his bike riding around Tokyo trying to catch all of the rare Pokemon. And he would then turn around and sell that account for hundreds and hundreds of dollars to somebody that wanted a Snorlax or some bullshit like that, right? Yeah. I mean, it, it's crazy. And like, what I don't understand is why some of the gaming companies haven't figured out, I mean, and it might be just because of regulatory issues, because I mean, there's a lot of scrutiny around issuing your own coin. Like for instance, the uh, US SEC will come after you if they believe that you issued a security um, because we don't have to get into that on this episode. We'll do regulation. <laughs> we'll do regulation on another one. I don't want to talk about it and get frustrated. I'll just get redder than I already am. Um, but I don't understand why the video game companies haven't figured that out because you could effectively create your own in-game circular and cyclical economy. Maybe it's a question of integrating cryptographic technology into it. But at the end of the day, you don't even need crypto. You could just have this as an enclosed financial system based on i don't know a ledger that you implement into the game right yeah i mean that sounds a lot like what you what i was talking about with runescape you i'm telling you man look into that it's insane and i think the same thing sort of exists in work in world of warcraft now i haven't i played that in like high school for a little bit amount of time just because i had a friend who was like i don't know ranked or some shit and then this goes back to your oh, thing wow. he got he got paid to play this game and like he Oh yeah, dude. He in he, it was in college, not high school. So in college, oh. he would be he would have like this weird like clock where he would be awake all night playing WoW, and he would get like sponsored by some I don't know. His basically his desk was covered in Monster Energy drinks. His his back shelf was covered in Jack Daniels bottles, and uh, he would just like destroy pizzas at like three a.m. playing WoW and doing whatever. That's the only reason I started playing it because he would basically take me through all the dungeons. And within like a week, I was, I had all like this pimped out gear and stuff and made so it. Where, like where did you go wrong in life that you didn't make money off of this like he did? I had parents that were like, oh, video games will never pay the bills. I'm like, go. Now I look at them and I'm like, you know, I could have been a pro guitar hero player 
Mm. And now I'm sitting here. I'm in my goddamn basement. Yeah, like, kid crying upstairs. It sounds horrible. Well, I mean, I would probably still have a kid, but you know, he would just <laughs> he would he would be crying upstairs, swimming in a in a pool of coins like Scrooge McDuck. You know? <laughs> I, I mean, it's kind of crazy. Like, um, I think it's uh, the number one YouTube channels that Mr. Beast guy. The I don't get him. I don't know why. Why did he become popular? Was it gaming? I think it was gaming. I could be wrong. Okay. With that. Or like, maybe I am wrong with that, but I think it was gaming at first. Like he was one of the guys that would like do competitive gaming. Uh, he was like the, um, what's, who's the Swedish one? The PewDiePie, I think. Is oh, yeah, name. yeah. I, I know yeah. him. Yeah. And I know like Ninja because he was on the Masked Singer. But like, I don't know. I, the Mr. Beast thing, I was just thinking about the other day. Like I see all these videos of him giving away all this money. I'm like, okay, so I get that's why people watch now because they want to see like, 300 people sit in a, in a shrinking circle the longest to see you can win a million bucks. But how did he get to that point? So it makes sense. People watched him play Tetris or some shit. I don't know. Well, that's the, that's the gradual progression, right? They're actually making a movie about the making of Tetris now, which somehow is tied to some like Russian conspiracy theory like everything nowadays is. Have you seen the trailer for that yet? I heard about a Tetris movie coming out and I was like, okay, what is it? Just a bunch of blocks falling. But... Uh, no, I didn't know that. It makes sense, though. I always thought it was from Russia because the music and, like, if you go play the Tetris arcade game, it's literally, like, a picture of, like, St. Basil's Cathedral, which I think is in Moscow, right? I'm going to look that up right now. I, I only know the Kremlin in Moscow. I don't know what the names of their churches are. Yeah, so if you if you think of, like, what do you think of when you see, like, Russia? You think of those, like, that big, like weird spherical like church right like the, yeah, the, yeah like the orthodox that's, churches that's what it is that's saint ba saint basil's ah. cathedral in moscow so that's yeah, i think that i think that was on the, yeah i think that was on the cover of tetris and the only reason i know what that is is from a video game too it's from playing uh any of the civilization games you ever play those those are pretty sweet nah no i, I never played civilization i mean the only actual that was a computer game right yeah Kinda it's like, like a it's a PC game, like a turn-based, like almost like Risk, like strategy game where you like build a civilization. No, I never did that. Um, that's a lot of fun. If you if you're looking for games to play, that's like it's awesome. So, I mean, is that anything like Age of Empires? Kind of, except it's turn-based rather than like real time. Or oh, okay. yeah. Uh, well, I'm gonna have to put that on my list of to-dos. But I mean, I don't think I'm gonna have anything to do over the next month but play Tears of the Kingdom. Um, I mean, that comes out on Friday. I mean, just, just a couple of days away from this recording. And I'm basically just going to be pieced out. I don't know if we're going to be able to do a recording for next week. <laughs> you just have it on one screen and I'll, you can just be playing, be like, hey, yeah, so we're interviewing uh, Dick's <laughs> Dick guy here. Uh, what's uh, And, you know, just talk and I'll, I'll, I'll handle the recording. It'll be fine. All right. We'll give, we'll try, give that a try. Um, I mean, so... Have you seen any of the gameplay from Tears of the Kingdom yet? I was watching this video that kind of highlighted everything, and there's some interesting, I think, developments of what they're putting in here. So I have a complete apology to make for any offense I may have ever given anybody that watched other people play video games. <laughs> uh, because I, for the last month or so, have basically just absorbed any trailers content leaks conspiracy theories or whatever like i've been trying to avoid the leaks because i don't want the story or anything to be spoiled for me which i've learned is basically impossible to kind of do if you look up tears of the kingdom stuff on the youtube um but i mean i can't stop absorbing this stuff like i started following this guy uh, he's got a youtube channel he's called zeltic and i think i only started following him because he's got a really cool british accent um most of these guys I, do I, I don't know there is an advantage to having a real proper accent and being a content provider. Like you and I might just be screwed from the get-go because we have boring American accents. Um, I don't know. Do you think you can start talking a British accent for our show? I mean, which dialect? There's all sorts. You want to do like in a Manchester? Good day. Here we are talking about Tears of the Kingdom, lad. It's a real boss game coming out in uh, May 2023. That's like your Manchester accent. Okay, I don't even know what the differences are. I just know that if I ever get outside of London, it's impossible to understand anybody in <laughs> I don't know. There's like a few different like strings of dialect that I can tell the difference between, but I can't do them. But um, no, I think it, you're right, though. Having like a British accent, I was thinking about this the other day. I listened to Jim Jeffries, who's a comedian. His podcast is hilarious. Oh, he's hysterical. 
it it just it's so much better because he's Australian. He sounds like it's like David Attenborough, like narrating yeah, yeah. all your videos. It's like I'm watching Planet Earth, but no, I'm watching some nerd play Zelda. You know. So, anyways, I started following him, and he does all these videos, and like Nintendo brought him in to do like an hour of gameplay, and like they severely regulated the shit that he was playing. But I mean, like it just looks phenomenal. Um, like, so first off, it looks like. So they're using like the original world of Hyrule, which was like groundbreaking uh, because it was like one of the largest open world maps, which I only just learned what that is recently, uh, ever created. But they also have these like sky island things. So like half of the country is now floating up in the sky and like they haven't shown anything like this, but people are hypothesizing that like because half of the world is now floating in the sky that there's a lot of underground uh, that you get to explore as well. So it's basically like a three-level map. And then like all the different functionality, like basically what they did, and I think this is absolutely brilliant. They developed a mechanic in the game that allows you to fuse any item together or any weapons together, and it completely changes the nature of the weapon or the item. And you can build cars, you can build planes, you can build... There was one clip that showed Link like riding in on a tank going to war with a whole bunch of... like little red bad guys it was hilarious um i saw that too i think that's phenomenal too because that adds to a re replayability factor as well where you can do the game over and over again and sort of customize different ways to kill enemies or like beat bosses which i mean anytime you can add that level of not just like gameplay but creativity to it where you can like combine fuse stuff together to beat your to serve a purpose that I think just only adds to the game and like the more free form it is the better I mean I definitely agree with that my so that's actually one of the things that I hated at first about Breath of the Wild because it was like I don't know what to do next I'm used to a linear progression there's a story and then I kind of follow it and then you play the game like my biggest anxiety when I was playing Breath of the Wild was like I would go to Kakariko Village and I was like running around doing these different side quests and things. And I felt like I had to speak to all of the NPCs and run into every building and check every corner or else I wasn't supposed to move past that part of the game, you know? But they kind of threw that formula out entirely where they're favoring more that flexibility, more that um, repeatability that you can just do the same thing in different ways. You can play the same game in a thousand different ways. Instead of going right, you go left. Instead of going to the ice mountain, you go to the desert. I mean, it was just absolutely fascinating uh, the way that they intertwined freedom with a story that kind of made sense, you know? But it was very frustrating. When, it was frustrating when I didn't know how to do it at first. Oh, yeah. Zelda kind of has always done that. I don't know if you ever played uh, like Link to the Past. That was on Super Nintendo. Nah. But basic, basically, you're trying to like recombine the Triforce, and you have to go get the three pendants in like these three different castles. And you know, it's you have to do those three things, but really, you can choose what order you do them in. So they've always kind of, I think, bit ahead of the curve in terms of trying to like have you beat the game, but also choosing your own destiny. So I think they've done yeah. a good job with that over the years too, and that game came out probably in like the early 90s that's a great one too if you get like an emulator and get like a super nintendo emulator and play that one it's it's tremendous what's, what's an emulator so basically an emulator is like something you can download that mimics like a game system on your computer oh i, I know that you can download the game and then you can download and play the old games yeah there's all sorts oh. of different emulators for every game system now like when i was a kid i had one for like nintendo so I'd go back and probably not, but you know, I mean, okay. <laughs> whatever. We're yeah. for punks now. Yeah, yeah, dude. I've been I've been pirating Super Nintendo games since I was ten. I think there's a there's a statute of limitations there, right? So I can't get arrested for saying that. I I don't know if that counts when you admit to the crime. Well, that's why <laughs> I, I you know I'm in, I'm in a character. I'm playing my internet pirate character, uh, Bony Bones the pirate. So. We can have with, the uh, with, with the Manchester accent. Oh, Bones the pirate. Let's have a, let's have the, the Samara legal team scrub that one. I don't. I don't. Samara's not covering your ass for this. Uh, well, <laughs> I uh, I plead the fifth. Then there you go. Uh, so let me ask you this: What was 
I mean, it sounds like you have significant more experience with this than I do, obviously. I mean, what were your top, like, what would be your top five or top 10 video games right now? Right now or ever? Uh, why, don't, why don't we start with right now? What are your favorite games right now? Like, I have an Nintendo Switch. What should I go out and try to play later? So, I have a lot of weird tastes. So, my favorite game series right now that's still putting out new stuff is the Resident Evil series, which I don't know if, are you into, like, horror-based video games? So I've never played, like, I, I literally started from scratch. I've played the bright, colorful world of Zelda, and I've caught little critters in Pokemon. Um, so no, <laughs> this is pretty, no. I, I mean, I, 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 I'd, I'd give it a try. I've never played a game like that before, but. So they've sort of evolved over the years. Resident Evil, the first one and the second one were more of like a survival based game where you have very scarce, limited resources. And you're basically trying to, in the first one, escape this mansion that's infested with zombies. In the second game, you're trying to like escape Raccoon City that's infested by zombies and other monsters. But over the course of the game, it's sort of evolved into, or course of the series, it's evolved into more like an action-based game, like Resident Evil 4, which they put a remake out of the PS2 version. That's what I'm playing right now. It's phenomenal. You're going through like um, Spain trying to rescue the president's daughter. She's been kidnapped by this cult. Um, and there's mm -hmm. more to the story than that. But that is probably my favorite game series now because those have evolved into sort of spanning not just the zombie genre, but they've got all sorts of like bugs, bug horror, like mutation horror of like mutants. Uh, and even in the last Resident Evil 7 and 8, they switched to like a first person shooter type game that switched to more like body horror in Resident Evil 7 with these like weird mold creatures. Um, reminiscent of almost like the thing back in you ever see that movie 1982 with the john carpenter movie oh yeah that's one of the best movies out there it sort of reminded me of that with like the way that the the people like get transformed into like these mold creatures and then the hmm. resident evil 8 was resident evil village it sort of covered like almost a uh sort of like classical classic horror type stuff where there's vampires there's like sea creatures there's um almost there's like dolls in fact like 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 it's crazy the whole thing like, so like killer dolls like that just sounds horrifying it is it that's the, easily it so they put out resident evil village and they put out dlc like an expanding of the game and that level is easily the scariest level in both games it's so I remember terrifying my, i mean i was many many years ago it was like back in high school maybe um a girl i was dating at the time we went back and we went to my family in pittsburgh uh my my mom's side of the family they all come from coal country pittsburgh beaver county right so we go back there and it's coal mining country i mean it's all run down um naturally the coal mines just aren't there anymore the steel mills aren't there and my aunt god rest her soul uh she used to be a collector of dolls and the guest room that this poor girl had to stay in had like 50 freaking like porcelain like crazy doll things in i remember yeah and like we had just started we hadn't just started dating we had been together maybe about a year or so but like she still hadn't exactly found her place with our family right and i remember she came out um and she was like so can i sleep in a different room because she, she, she like she was not going to sleep in there like it was just so horrifying i don't blame her man Dude, like those things definitely come alive at night. I don't care. I've seen Toy Story. I know how that shit works. Yeah, my uh, that's one of the things my son is obsessed with now is Toy Story. He's even he's like, he gets like a new doll. He's like not sure of it. He's like uh, Buzz alive. I'm like oh shit. Okay, well <laughs> we can leave Buzz down here. Uh, who so the hell? Who knows what he's saying? Had an unintended scarring consequence on all of us. Yeah, I agree. Uh, freaking freaking Woody. But that's pretty much, that's like the game I spend most of the time playing right now. That that series, Resident Evil 4 is the newest, like, installation of that. But they're remaking sort of all the classic games. Um, and that really, I don't know how they're going to remake the fifth one beyond, because those didn't come out too long ago. Mm -hmm. uh, but that series kicks ass. Uh, the other game I play all the time, I told you, is that Civilization VI. Uh, and that's sort of like, just like a time killer. A PC game, right? It's PC. My brother had it on his Switch, though, so I know that they released it on multi-platforms. Oh, really? multi yeah. Okay. So it's fun. You basically can choose your civilization. They have a long list of, you know, they have, like, ancient Rome, Egypt, uh, Sumeria, Greece. They have America, too. You play as, as Teddy Roosevelt's, like, your leader. 
Um, and you basically each, each civilization has like pros of like, you, there's different ways to win like science victories, like m launching a moon landing. There's cultural victories, like, you, you know, boosting your culture. There's diplomatic victories. There's d domination victories where if you're like a war based, um, civilization, like they have the Mongols, like, like Genghis Khan in there, they have Attila the Hun and some of the older games, like you can go and just dominate the world. So um, is it like a one-player game, or you said it was turns-based? Do you have to be connected to the internet? Because that wouldn't no, work for me if I'm on a player. No, it, 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 I play it most of the time as single-player, but there is a multiplayer like version of it where you can go up against other people on, online. But most of, the, most of the time I play is just like me versus the computer, and there's different difficulty settings. So let me ask you this. So then those are your favorite games now. What's your favorite game of all time? All time, my favorite games are the Final Fantasy series. Those are like or RPGs, sort of like the open world thing. Final okay. Fantasy Final Fantasy VII being my favorite. That game came out in, uh, I think, 1997. A lot of people view that as one of the great, as one of, if not the greatest video game of all time, just due to its sort of massive world of different characters and side quests, things you don't even have to do, but you can do to, to get you, like, special weapons or special, like, they have, like, things called, like, materia, which give you either magic or summon creatures to help you progress through the game there's unlockable there's characters that you can unlock that aren't even like pivotal to the game you can do all their side stories and things like that hmm. um they've they've started to make remakes of that but the game was so like big it was three discs on playstation and trying to enhance that into Wait, into like but PlayStation only had like one i mean so three discs like you just progress through the story and each disc is a different so like you, you get to so like the first chapter basically is on disc one. You get to the end of the chapter, it says, please insert disc two to continue, you know. So it's basically like in, insert the second half of Titanic to see. If yeah, it's pretty more. much. Yeah, pretty yeah. much. Um, those are the only games I've seen that with. I know there's been other games that have multiple discs, but it's basically like the one I'm thinking of Re is Resident Evil 2 had two mm -hmm. discs, but you basically there were two different storylines. This is like one continuous storyline throughout the game. I'm sure there's a lot more than that. Just not games that I played growing up. But they've started to remake that for like PS5 and PS4. And they released the first one. And I was so excited for it. They released the first one like a year or two ago or maybe three years ago at this point. And it was not even like the first quarter of disc one. So the fact that it was such a big game with such mm -hmm. bad, those like awful graphics, which at the time they were phenomenal. They're trying to remake that into this like PS5 game. It's going to be like, they're going to have to release just pieces of it um, just to make up for how like open the world is and how much different stuff there is to do. It's crazy. But that so game is my favorite. I mean, because like eventually, like we're kind of hitting a point and I've only started to learn about this as a problem for the Zelda game. Like, I mean, I look at the Nintendo Switch and I'm like, wow, these graphics are freaking amazing. Apparently by today's gaming standards like okay fine they're they work because they're like more artsy to a certain extent but the reason they're more artsy is because the switch and the rendering it has just sucks like i i recently learned what fps means so it's 30 frames per second right um if you get more into gaming that's that's critical dude like i play games now like that elden ring game if you're 30 fps you're you're toast uh, you know? so i so like what do you need like 100 fps like i, I don't know this shit um, i think my i think mine defaults to 60 but i have like i don't know what the what the different types of thing i'm not that much of a gamer i just know 30 is like you're you're not getting that resolution you need because there's such like quick movements and stuff like you're gonna start watching like blurs moving across your screen yeah like i tried to download um even age of empires 3 on my computer and like i don't have a gaming computer by any means it's a normal pc i use it mostly for personal and work stuff right um the most i've ever used a computer for is like a gigantic gigabyte excel file right um and age of empires 3 a game from like 15 years ago wouldn't work on this computer because i, I like it, the frame like the pictures just kept dropping out so like, it seems like we're getting to a point where the hardware is not meeting what developers are able to build from a game perspective. I think it's been that way for a while. I mean, the, the, recently it's been that, you know, the GPUs, which are like your, your video processors, like yeah, yeah. basically your graphics cards, they've gotten to such a point where I'm running like a, an NVIDIA 3070. And I think I, it's pretty powerful, but I think the most recent release is like a 4060. 
So like you think about how they release the number. I actually know what you're talking about right now because those GPUs could be mined or could be used to mine crypto. Right. Um, yeah. So that's why I think that's part of the reason why they're so expensive now. And like the chip shortage for like probably like the, the war over there, because I think a lot of the a lot of the minerals that they use to to create these these processors are come from Ukraine and Russia yeah. in that, that area. So I think that's driving up the price too. But I think the developers and like NVIDIA or AMD, like your big graphics card makers probably work hand in hand to make sure that they're not like lapping each other. I think they're sort of almost in cahoots trying to make sure that the techno technologies don't get too advanced, like where they can't keep up with the developers or developers can't create games that meet the like the processing power of the these processors so i don't know but you're right it's to an extent i mean yeah i mean basically my takeaway from that is that uh, crypto miners are killing the ability for hardware producers to keep up with the games that are being developed um well you know where we could you just gotta start mining some comets like uh in that one movie you know get some more minerals that we can make stronger processors I, I hear uh, unobtainium would work really yeah, well. Yeah, unobtainium sounds great. Or vibranium, too. We could get Captain America's shield and start making video games out of it. There we go. Well, so I'm really happy we're able to do this more fun podcast today. I mean, that's part of the stuff that I'm hoping that we'll be able to do with this because, I mean, unfortunately, our next interview is going to be with a compliance guy. Um, oh, God. Uh, I know. I mean, let me tell you about this. So in Europe, they recently passed an overarching regulatory framework for crypto. Uh, I haven't told you who we're bringing on. It's, he's a compliance guy. He works for one of our companies, one of the companies I found at Deutsche Digital Assets. And we're going to have him on and talk about European compliance for crypto. So I figured you were going to hate that one. No. So that, that's why I figured we should do something fun here. No, I'm into accounting. You know, I'm, I uh, have to do socks audits every year. I love compliance. I'm, I am compliant. As a matter of fact, don't at all look into my financial statements. <laughs> Very good. Well, Matt, thanks for uh, taking the time today. Um, we'll jump on in a couple of days with Dimitri to talk European regulatory compliance of crypto. Very similar to Tears of the Kingdom, except it'll be Tears of the Me when I'm crying the entire time. It won't be that boring, I promise. Have a good one, bro. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Take care now. Bye-bye then.